0: Hey everyone, just a little introduction at the beginning of this episode. First off, welcome back. It's been a long, long time since there has been a new episode of the Let It Shine podcast. Um, Yeah, I've been just really busy here out in California, uh, trying to stay busy, and finally found some time to sit down and talk to Asher Whitmer, and I'm excited to let you in on our conversation uh, that we had. Uh, Just a few things to note. First off, I apologize for the background noise, as I mentioned earlier, I do live in Los Angeles, and so there is a lot of um, noise um, around my apartment, and unfortunately, it's it's really hard to cut that out. So, i just keep that in mind. (laughs) Somewhere in the middle, you'll hear a lovely rendition of It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Even though this was um, recorded just a few weeks ago, um, yeah, our ice cream truck, I guess, does not know what time of the year it is. Or maybe if you have ice cream, it's always the most wonderful time of the year. That sounds more like it. Anyways, thank you again for sticking uh, sticking out with me as I took a break here, and hopefully we'll get some more episodes out um, here before too long. And, yeah, hope you enjoy this episode with Asher Whitmer. <music> Good day, and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Let It Shine. It's been a long, long time since I have recorded an episode and have had the pleasure to record an episode, and a lot has happened in my life since the last episode um, almost a year ago. Maybe in a future episode I'll, I'll be able to share that, um, but for today uh, I have a, another guest on the, the podcast here, and somebody who is very special, and I say that about all my guests, but I I truly mean it about all my guests, too, in in different ways. Um, Today we have Asher Whitmer on the podcast. First off, Asher, welcome. Um, Thank you so much for taking time to sit down out of your day, your busy day, um, to drive down here to my house, first off, and then to sit down and, and talk and have a conversation here. So, yeah, welcome. What would you like to say to the podcast people?
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good, good to be here. It, I um, is this your first interview since
0: since you I'm moved out here? here? Yeah, really? okay. yeah, okay. yep. No, this is the first one. I yeah. had plans of, of like really um doing more and like yeah. having other people on, and it's just yeah, just too busy and haven't gotten around to it. Oh no, worries. This this is good. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Asher lives in the sunny state of California. Uh, where I'm currently residing, and uh, we attend the same church, LA Road, and yeah, uh, I first met Asher, obviously, when I first moved out here in May of 2021, Um, and yeah, I have really appreciated hearing Asher share, whether it be a message or just in conversation, whatever it may be, Um, and yeah. Uh, also, Asher, while before we get started here, um, you also have a a podcast of your own. Go ahead and shout it out so that people can go go find you and where to find that, and I guess give a little bit of a synopsis as to what your podcast is about and what it contains.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, my podcast is is called Unpaid Christianity. It's just uh, we just have raw conversations about Christianity, uh, reconciling human experiences with God and His word so we can love. From pure heart good conscience and sincere faith but yeah we're not i mean we don't have near the technology i don't have the technology
0: that you have here so
1: i'll I'll be learning a few things here so it's good
0: nice nice very well all right um so yeah asher why don't you give us a little bit of a background of before so i yeah obviously i don't know too much about you um i i have i will admit i have uh in the in the Mennonite world you seem to be kind of popular more or less believe it or not back home I've I've heard a lot about you um, and then coming out here and, and meeting you all good things thank you um, so tell us a little bit about yourself before you you lived in California your family was from Minnesota is that correct yeah so I grew
1: up I was um, 17 I think when we moved out so I the first 17 years of my life from nineteen ninety one to two thousand eight lived in northern Minnesota and my dad my dad was ordained as a pastor the year I was born and i I always forget if it was the fall before I was born or the fall after I was born but basically all my life my dad has been involved in church leadership of some kind um, and so church has definitely been a a big part of life and in 2008 we moved out to california to plant a church mm-hmm. in, in anabaptist church in the inner city and there's backs like dad had been taking some trips out here he had, he had been out here i think like three or four different times before 2008 and so that vision it was just kind of slowly growing and, and so we moved out and I was seventeen and when I was twenty I went to Institute for Global Opportunities, IGO mm-hmm. in in Thailand. That's where I met Teresa, my wife, and we were uh one of those couples that you go to Bible Edna. Bible school and come back and get married. So <laughs> in uh let's see, that was twenty eleven, in twenty twelve we got married and and we've been married now almost 10 years. We have four kids. And we've since, in our marriage, we have spent three years in Thailand. We went back to Thailand a couple years after getting married. And in 2017, moved back here. And have been here for the last five almost five years now. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, one, one of the big pieces that has kind of shaped our marriage is that just a few days before... Our wedding. My mom was killed in a car wreck, and so that that has kind of been kind of reshaped our family and even even the ministry here. You could say it was still fairly young at the time, and um, so there's there's marriage together, and there's many things that have that we have experienced that cause grief, and so we learn how to process grief, but from its beginning we've been walking together and learning how to process grief and stuff and i don't know if that uh seems like i i can go almost anywhere and people are like yeah i remember watching the live stream of your wedding um Mm -hmm. so that's like what has given some of the popularity being being having a funeral one day and your wedding the next day or what but uh it's not it has not been an easy journey, but it's been, God has been good through it, and it's been really good to have Teresa to walk it with. Mm, mm-hmm,
0: absolutely. Wow. Yeah, there's there's a, a small glimpse of just, yeah, some of your story and the things that God has done in your life. Um. So tell me a little bit more, like growing up, before you moved out to LA, what was life like? Like, if you think of when somebody says, like, what was your childhood like? Like, what do you think of what comes to your mind?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure when the last time was I was asked that. <laughs> um, what was my childhood like? Well, I grew up... Uh, I guess I'll just say, I don't know if this is good or bad, I'll just say what, like, what comes to my mind first. I was the bad kid, and I I said earlier that my dad was a pastor all my growing up years. So, so yeah, there's a lot of pressure that I soon began to feel um because of because of how naughty I was right sure <laughs> and not I don't recall that pressure necessarily coming from my parents, but I do remember people making comments um you know but yeah i was i was i was not a a good kid um uh, and what, what does that mean I guess you know we talk with youth out here and it's like you know they look at all of us no matter what we did in our youth and they're like oh you know you weren't smoking weed at six years old or something but, <laughs> right right yeah um i i just had an intense anger problem for one thing and you know even even if we were at church like it it you know if something ticked me off like it would i, I could explode right there um in the if we we're outside playing football together or something and and so that was kind of the I, I think the big thing that kind of went before me as far as other people in the church, like everybody knew knew that. and um, so that was that was something uh, when when you, when you first asked me like what was my childhood like the immediate thing that came to mind was pressure. And I, I don't know like I'm not sure that I've ever really thought about that before, but yeah, just the the, the pressure of not being a very good model all the time, I guess, and, and, uh, yeah, I don't, um, other things about childhood, I homeschooled, so I was one of those, did you homeschool? Yeah, my yeah. whole,
0: my whole, uh, I tell people my whole school career, or whatever that means, but yeah, my, my, basically all my schooling is homeschool.
1: Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah, all 12 grades were homeschooled, we, uh, did, I think kind of the classic homeschooling approach. There's kind of a smattering of things for like the first six to eight years, and then finally settle on something for the last four years, maybe.
0: <laughs> Sounds about right. Oh,
1: <laughs> um, so like my high school, we did the the Abeka video mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm. But there again, I I hated school. Mm. I did not. I do a lot of writing now, but I I, I hated English. I hated. I was speaking of anger and stuff. Like I, I used to get really angry during school. Uh, it just didn't make sense. It was confusing. I remember fighting with my older sister because she. I don't know if she had graduated. I forget. Um, she's five years older than me, so eighteen, thirty. I would have been thirteen when she graduated. So even because I think I was like eleven and twelve, she would be helping me with English. She really enjoyed English, and. I did not enjoy English. There were five of us kids, so you know, mom took any help that she could. And I just remember one time getting really upset at my sister about English. Like it was nothing she had done wrong. Um, so the fact that I'm now in Bible college as an adult and I write a lot, I think I think my mom is is probably has probably already rolled over in her grave. And, <laughs> looking down from heaven is just like wow like god does do miracles
0: so like as far as schooling goes were you like a did you do well in school when you actually applied yourself and did you just get frustrated because like you didn't want to apply apply yourself or did you just like it did not make sense at all
1: yeah that's a good question because actually in like even whether at i go or or my bible college now i tend to i tend to do well Mm -hmm, and my mm -hmm. classmates are like wow like you do good but i don't think of myself as doing well and i think some of that is we we were given a good education i don't know did you do a becca Mm -hmm, yeah Yeah. like that's you know it really prepares you for writing essays or doing research projects or something whereas some some people depending on what their schooling was like aren't as prepped for that and so it's you know or even just learning how to think critically Um, especially the video school, like you're reading pieces of literature and analyzing it and stuff. And some of that kind of shows up in, in post uh, grade school, high school work. But in the moment, I felt like I had siblings who who could barely work and they would do well. And I felt like I had like, I didn't reading was always hard for me. Um, I'm, I'm still a slow reader. I, I read a lot today. I do. I do a lot of audio book as oh, well. Nice, so, <laughs> Especially when you combine like if you're reading a book and listening to it, then you you know get through it a little faster. But yeah. Um. But reading was really slow for me during school, so that was part of why I I would get frustrated. There was there's definitely a lack of applying. Like um, my parents didn't really buy or they didn't really buy into or believe in. <laughs> like i don't know how they'd say it the whole adhd thing oh uh, yeah but i i have in my adult life like i there there are aspects of add that i i do uh what's the word like if i read about symptoms of add or whatever it's like oh like i i kind of identify with that yeah right sure. um so maybe that was some of it too mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. um not being able to focus well for a long period of time, right, right. But there, you know, there's so many other better things to do in life. Like go, go play sports, <laughs> yeah, <and> exactly. Go <laughs> snowmobiling. And I um, I have one time we were going through Minnesota history because you have to have is like seventh or eighth grade. You have to have a year of state, state history. State history, yep. And it was just a boring black and white pace curriculum. So mm. I think you went through like four paces throughout the year or something. And it was so boring compared to everything whether it was Bob Jones or Rebecca or whatever whatever it was that was all colorful and yeah. you know fun. This this was black and white. The pictures were stenciled drawn and just I you know I didn't even feel like reading and I knew where the answer key was. Oh no. And uh and so I went and got the answer key. We had a toy room that was back This is speaking of childhood. I grew up, our family, my dad was a construction worker. He was also a pastor. He owned a construction company. And then we also had a senior home for elderly people who were not bad enough for a nursing home, Mm. but they needed assistance. Uh Mm -hmm. So in our house, they lived up on the main floor. There was no upstairs. Um, And then we as a family lived in the basement.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: And so we did school and everything down in the basement and and in the back of the hallway was this toy room. I took the answer key and my history and filled out all the answers and then put the answer key back. I have no clue what mom was doing that day or like how I could get away with it. But I was done and then I could go snowmobile. It was like the dead of winter and I went out and I snowmobiled. But I remember feeling pretty sick as I <laughs> Like it just wasn't that fun. Right. right. Uh I, I remember confessing later. It's I can't remember if it was within, you know, that school year yet or if it was like another year later. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if that kind of gives you a, a glimpse into the chaos that was <laughs> in my childhood.
0: Yeah, no, it does definitely. <laughs> um sounds sounds pretty normal, I think, for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like outside of school, though, as far as like the community there in Minnesota you lived you lived in, tell me about, you know, did you have like a lot of friends? What was the church like there growing up? Um, how did that affect, I guess, who you are today?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, too. I um, grew up, northern Minnesota was actually, interestingly, years ago, and I don't have the dates on this at all, but so I would have grown up 90s, early 2000s, I think, as early as the 50s, but maybe not that early. Maybe it was more like 70s. There were some missions started in northern Minnesota. There were five young men that were like 19 and 20 years old, and they were newlyweds, and they they went up through northern Minnesota into Ontario and started various missions and churches. Mm -hmm. And so in our immediate community, there were four that would have been started from those missions if I'm remembering correctly and they didn't all so like just a the church building that I grew up in that most of my childhood m- memories would be from the church it was called Christian Life Chapel and the church building that it was in one of those early mission churches built that church Gotcha, and would have there would have been started there but that church had died like there was years mm, mm-hmm. spanning between when that church was actually functioning to when we when our church actually started right. but our church was a, a mennonite conservative anabaptist church and then there were three others all within about a half hour of each other okay. um that would have been mi- or started as mission churches to the communities mm-hmm. there and obviously i don't know if you're familiar with northern minnesota ontario much but there's a lot of indian reservations and stuff uh, native american people through there and so i think a lot of the missions were started for those people groups but the particular churches that these four that i'm talking about by the time i was growing up uh are yeah it would have been all largely transplant I think even uh, Anabaptists right. who moved from maybe Pennsylvania or Wisconsin right. anywhere between Pennsylvania <laughs> and Wisconsin <laughs> yeah sure um, up to there so so our our uh, immediate church community would have been um, we would have done a lot with those churches mm, yeah. actually I mean kind of just some backstory when my dad was ordained when I was born it would have been a part of one of those one of the other churches mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and at the time of my birth, I think only three three churches were were active. and then uh, I think I was like six or seven and there we went through a church fairly big church split and uh, from there dad ended up pastoring one of the one of the splits. Mm-hmm. He had been pastoring. He stepped down. That ended up creating a split, and then uh, he started another one that was more in town, International Falls, Minnesota. Gotcha. Anybody who goes up to like uh, Beaver Lake Camp or oh, you know, yeah. up up through there usually goes through International Falls. Nice. So that you know that dynamic created while we did a lot of stuff with those other churches. There was a lot of pain, yeah, right. uh, from from people and the parents, and I actually remember about the time we moved out here to California. My generation was starting to do a lot more together. We would do youth mm-hmm. activity, whether it's just like getting together playing hockey or volleyball or something, to having youth camps and uh, youth retreats and stuff that that um, that we'd all hang out together at, uh, and they've had they've actually had youth retreats since like 40 years ago or so, maybe 50 years It's 2022 now. But I don't remember the churches sending as many youth as they were the year, like the couple years leading up to us moving out. Mm-hmm. And so when we moved out, it felt like there was a large community of youth. Now I'm talking to somebody from Holmes County. So a half hour distance, even like there, there, there were three other churches, two hours away. Mm. So we would all do stuff together. Wow! But we're talking like driving two hours yeah, to yeah, to yeah. hang out. Yeah. Um, and so you know that was kind of big in in my youth, I guess you could say uh, those connections. But even so, um, like obviously compared to Holmes County, we're driving two hours. Half an hour to connect with another Anabaptist church. My family did quite a bit. Our church, our church was Anabaptist, but it was actually mm-hmm. non denominational. Okay. But it was, you know, everybody was from Anabaptist background. Right. And would have still had the strong, you know, Anabaptist values mm-hmm. and belief and practice. But our church did quite a bit with other people, other churches in the community, other, just other people in the community too. Mm -hmm. Um, From age nine, I think I was, I played little league baseball in our town, International Falls. Oh, nice. And through age 12, and then they called, I thought I was done, and then the high school called and wondered if I'd want to play for, for high school. Oh, wow. And ended up playing. So two years of junior varsity, and then two years of actual varsity before we moved out. Um, so that, that gave me a, a completely other world outside of the Anabaptist world kind of experience as well in my youth. And so as far as being shaped, um, that, that, I think that's definitely had some significant impact.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you'd say like as far as friends-wise, you'd – friends-wise – uh, you'd have like you would have had other friends that weren't necessarily a part of the Anabaptist church there in northern Minnesota, or were most of your friends would have been from the churches there?
1: Yeah, no, most of my friends would have been from the churches as far as ones we ones I got close to and like sure. told sure. told things. But yeah, I had a lot of friends from my from my various ball teams that I played on sure. um, that and like my parents, when uh, we moved in two thousand eight, so I've somewhere between two thousand five and two thousand eight, they they started doing quite a bit of marriage counseling. Okay, and I think I should ask my dad about this, but I think there were like thirty different couples. Oh, wow. Just from town, that they that they um, counseled mm. in you know a span of years there, mm-hmm. uh, and and those would have all largely been. Well, I don't know. Yeah. A lot of them would have not been from the Mennonite churches necessarily. Sure, sure. Um, so, yeah. I, you know, I think as far as um, the close friendships and, you know, sharing meaningful experiences with or, you know, deep things on our hearts, my friends would have largely come from the churches there. hmm mm-hmm. But there were there. I I actually still keep up with a couple of my friends from the ball teams as oh, well. Oh, nice! So, that's really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's one guy I thought was pretty sure he was going to go to the major leagues, but really, he's not there. I think so, I think he played in the minors. Oh wow! I could be wrong, but
0: oh, yeah. that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's that's very interesting to hear because like obviously like you mentioned me being from Holmes County is like completely different. Like I basically know no life other than the the anabaptist okay world i guess i mean there's obviously people that aren't mennonite in holmes county but like it's really hard to go out go to town or whatever and not see somebody that you know that like goes to a neighbor church or your own church and so yeah hearing like obviously you had anabaptist churches in minnesota but like feels like a lot obviously a lot less than what what was in holmes county um
1: yeah i mean we so the nearest walmart was in Bemidji, Minnesota. Okay. And there's another couple of Anabaptist churches down there. And so if we're down there and you're in Walmart and somebody comes in wearing a head covering, like a lady mm-hmm. comes in wearing mm-hmm. a head covering and dress, you know them. Yeah, right, for sure. <laughs> and so when I went out to Lancaster or Holmes County for the first time, <laughs> and you go into Walmart or some store and there's like, wow, like do I know you? <laughs> yeah. yeah know and I then my that. friends are like, stop being weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I've I've always wondered what it would be like. Like, I don't know, growing up in in a less populated Mennonite community, how that would have shaped my life differently. I guess. Um, so it's very interesting to hear. And then obviously, like now you're out here, and it, it's more or less the same thing. I mean, probably even less Mennonite people here in L.A. or Anabaptist people here in L.A. Um, than obviously what is in Minnesota. Mm, so mm-hmm. I guess for the most part, you don't really know any different. Um, I'm sure like going over to Igo you you got to experience a little bit of that that type of just like Anabaptist culture bubble I guess is maybe a word for it um
1: Yeah, yeah, that's probably the the closest that I've gotten to it. I spent um two uh two terms. So, what, there's 6 weeks or so 12 weeks at SNBI, Sharonite oh, okay. Bible okay. Institute, yeah. um, that was that was my first exposure to Lancaster, mm-hmm. and and so that was you know you kind of get to know more people Mennonite people there and mm-hmm. the different stripes mm-hmm. and you know like <laughs> yeah that, that all fascinates me because there yeah, you yeah. know there's so many different kinds yeah um, and then the next year I think it was went to Igo as a student, and then three years later moved back and taught at a um, school there for for different missionary children. So even though my students weren't necessarily a part of IGO or from Mennonite missions, where we went to church and a lot of the community that we did things with would have been a part of of, uh, Mennonite, you know, a part of IGO. Right, sure. And so that was the closest probably to kind of that Anabaptist bubble that... Mm -hmm that i feel but yeah it is it is something that every now and then i'll i'll talk or you know go what well, we thought about it. this last summer we took a big trip back east and connected with a lot of friends and it was really good to see people that we hadn't seen in a couple of years but you do realize that it's like man the world's just so different from you know our friends in ohio or right or, or indiana or pennsylvania right for yeah. sure, yeah. So.
0: Wow, yeah. So that, I think that that gives us a little bit of a glimpse, like you were saying, into kind of your childhood growing up. Are there any like specific moments or happenings that jump out at you um, when you think of of the younger years or anything traumatic that may may have happened or something that was like very exciting or good that happened, I guess, to you? Any any specific memories that that jump out? Yeah.
1: Oh there yeah there's like three that started coming to mind is this is good i i haven't like sat down and thought about my childhood so much for a while so it's oh, interesting to have this conversation there's one is um it, it popped up in in our family chat group i forget who shared it or what it was but it was an accident that i had, had snowboarding mm. And face planted and I just remember I think I was 11 years old if if I remember there's no date on the picture and stuff but if I remember correctly I would have been 11 and my face swelled up like it was smack I remember it was a uh, it was probably March so the end of the season kind of mm-hmm. icy mm-hmm. like at night there was yeah. it was night skiing night skiing up there I was snowboarding but so it was icy and just remember coming down. I was almost down at the bottom of the hill. There was a whole bunch of us doing, doing the run together, and just remember looking up at everybody. And the next thing I knew, I was rolling and seeing stars. I was just like, "Wow, you know, that had never happened to me before." But it swelled up my face, my whole face oh, that man. night. My nose was bleeding. My my jaw really hurt. We had two hours home. From there I remember the the medics came out and took me in I went in on the snowmobile they didn't put me on the sled or anything I just rode in with them and examined me and so we we went home they gave me you know some bandages or gauze for the scrapes and stuff they could tell that my seemed like my spine was okay mm. but my jaw had incredible pain just super sharp pain mm. and we drove two hours home. To where we lived, and I remember, I can't remember, yeah, when, if we prayed down at the the ski resort or if it was at home, but I just remember we prayed about it, and then the plan was if it's still hurting so bad, the next day we're going to go in and and get it looked at, because it seemed like, it was just, yeah, right, right here for those who can't see, I'm just kind of the middle of my jaw, like I just remember distinctly it both sides it just hurt like crazy and i remember the next day waking up and there was no pain absolutely no pain and within a a day day and a half the swelling all went down and aside from the fact that like my lip still had the where it got busted a little bit still the scar like you wouldn't have known i had an accident Wow, it was kind of my first encounter to what i feel like like i had kind of forgotten about that until it popped up in our family chat i was like wow like that I remember thinking that must have been a miracle Mm -hmm, mm because of the pain that I was in the night before to what I was feeling the next day. So that was definitely, yeah, kind of interesting for me. I also, you know, I discussed earlier that I was the bad kid and I remember there's, there's a good friend, family friends of ours who lived up in Ontario and the, the, Wife was a child psychologist, and and I remember mom and dad taking me up there to meet with her. Mm-hmm. I was really young. I don't know how old I would have been. I was old enough to know that it had to do with me, like, because of my issues, you know. Yeah, I, I right. Mean. But I was young enough that it was like, oh, you know, this is fun. Like, we went to a, a house and that had, I just remember it had a bunch of, like, um, animal skins and and antlers and stuff all around. Mm -hmm. And so I was like looking at all them, playing with them. And and I remember she had me drawing a picture as I talked. I have absolutely no clue what she asked me. I I cannot (laughs) remember what she asked me or what we were talking about or whatever. But I do remember that I drew a picture of a church and then... She asked me at one point, and I don't know this because of my memory. I know this because she told she told me later, told my parents then um, but apparently she asked me what I would do if the church burned down, mm. and my response was that I would build another one mm. and so i like i've as I grow up and become an adult, like church is. Um, really important to me. It's just just the church, the body of Christ. And I've often thought back on that. I was like, huh, you know. Obviously, my dad was a pastor. I was just in that world. But I think it's, you know, there was something there that God was... um... Yeah, I don't know if it's so much God calling me to or just, um, you know, a vision or burden for church because i i would not have i would not look at that being on any kind of journey with god with jesus at that point in my life i was i was young but something about that has definitely kind of synthesizes the burden that i have that i care about the church Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then probably the third one would would just be that yeah i was 12 years old when i was baptized when Mm. i did meet jesus Mm. and um I was a bad kid and I, I, I tell, you know, we talk with some of the youth here today. I was just talking with uh, Furman about it who recently got baptized and, and he was talking about how he's, you know, not, he just realized he's never going to quite be perfect. So mm, now's yeah. the time to just get baptized. And I, I told him that like, hey, I feel like I've done most of my sinning after I was baptized Mm. 12 years old is pretty young if you Mm -hmm. think about it Mm -hmm. and and, but I can definitely point a trajectory like the trajectory of my life changed at 12 years old right from not caring at all to to caring Mm -hmm. to wanting to follow God Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so even even when you're struggling with sin struggling with stuff that all youth do Um, that, that's, that's normal. Like that's, that's a part of learning how to follow Jesus. And so even, even if you're baptized and you're struggling with some of these things, it doesn't mean you're not real or that you're not, you're not sincerely wanting to follow Jesus. Yeah. Those are the three things that popped into my mind right offhand when you talked about that as far as, I guess you could say highs or, Mm -hmm. um,
0: just moments that stick out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that totally makes sense. So, yeah, that's there's a little bit of your, a glimpse into your childhood. What about like your, your teenage years, like even, um, like moving out here or, or like even before that, like what was that like? Or I guess more specifically moving out here, how did that affect you? Like moving from, obviously moving from a place like Minnesota, um, to the big city of LA is obviously a big change and in, in transition. Uh, did, Do you look back at that and see that as a, as it affecting your life or I guess, how did, how did you handle that?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question because I actually hated moving out here. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, I was 17 at the time and it felt like my stage of the youth community was, was kind of coming into their own and there i had some good friends there were like 5 of us that would that would hang out often again we lived you know 2 an hour to 2 hours away so it's not like we it was every week necessarily but we we were we were getting really close and even you know as 16 17 year olds sharing you know extremely vulnerably with each other about the the struggles that we had mm-hmm. the you know things that that 're facing in life and so forth and and so I really struggled like it it tore me apart to leave that mm-hmm. and i I kept up with those friends for a while you know thankfully by 20, 2008 we had good old Facebook and a <laughs> chat Yahoo chat that that oh, used to dear. be a thing I don't know did, did you ever do that? I was way
0: too young <laughs> for that no
1: oh. Um, so yeah, we kept up with that way, and actually, a couple of the a couple of my good friends actually were out with Choice Books. Some okay. of our earliest VAsers, um, which you are now out. That's what that's what brings you out here mm-hmm. for. Me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what was your question? The
0: basically, yeah, how, and, yeah. How did it impact? Right, yeah, right, right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So I feel, yeah. I really struggled to and i'm I'm not sure what my the rest of my siblings would say if other people I don't like my two older siblings were pretty much adults at that gotcha. point, so okay. it wasn't as big of a deal for them mm-hmm. that our family moved because they were probably leaving home anyways right and they they went on and and did they both went through college and uh, bible Bible school and have moved. Like they're they're no longer living here in Los Angeles, um, but my younger siblings I'm not sure if if they struggled more or less than me. But I I just remember going through a period of intense loneliness mm. and really struggling mm-hmm. uh, with. I was just telling my wife the other day this is really dark, but I remember having so I did choice books as well, mm-hmm. and I can remember get up early morning and, and there's, you know, maybe nobody quite on the streets yet or something. Or yeah. just even, just even if you're driving around sometime. Um, I used to enjoy going out to Malibu at like midnight, mm. 11 o'clock at night. I don't know if you've done that at all, but it's like the whole city shut, you know, it's pretty much shut down. Then right, you can yeah. just fly out there along the ten. I just remember thinking like, what if, what if you woke up one day and everybody was gone? Mm. And you'd have all these streets, all this concrete, all these buildings, and there's Mm -hmm. nobody there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think about it at the time, but like talking about that with my wife, I'm like, that is really dark. (laughs) (laughs) It just kind of shows the the level of maybe some depression that I was in, just like feeling really lonely. Um, For the first couple of years, we were the only ones out here.
0: Yeah.
1: And... Maybe like a year or two in, we started getting choice books, BSers. And then a couple, yeah, three, I think it was three years in, Sam's moved out and Mm -hmm. uh, Jared and Carmen Stolzfies, who are no longer here in LA, but uh, they were the first family to join. And by then also we had gotten to know other people just in LA, making other other friends and stuff, so. So yeah, that that was as far as just kind of that, how it impacted me. It was it was definitely a lonely season of life, but I also look back on it now, and I, I don't at all regret the mm. move. Mm-hmm. Um, the way it's broadened my worldview, uh, the people that I've gotten to know here in LA and know today. Yeah, uh, you know, I've I've grown to de- develop. Some fairly close friends that I would have never had if if we had not moved out mm. here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's even though it was a a super hard thing, like for my youth, it was really hard. It was probably one of the single most life shaping events of my youth. Like if wow. you if you think fourteen to twenty or whatever, yeah, right, yeah.
0: right. Yeah. And, and that age, like 17 is, that's a very, first word that popped into my head is scary. And I don't know why I thought it was yeah. scary, but it's like a very um, important age. Like there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously your your whole youth is is important to shaping your life, but it's, it is, is very important. Like yeah. 16, when I think about myself, like 16 to 18, somewhere there, is just kind of where it, it shaped a lot of, yeah. a lot of my life. So I'm sure, yeah, definitely was not easy leaving all your friends that you had in Minnesota and then just moving out here. and I mean, L.A. is kind of more or less, known not even like for the Anabaptists, but just people in general as like a very lonely city. Like it's hard to mm. really connect with mm. people. Um, or at least that's what I've, I've heard and read and, and listened about, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine. So you, you guys moved out here in, you said 2008. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what, year, in what year did your mom pass away?
1: Oh, it was 2012. 2012. Okay, so sorry. we moved out in April of 08, and then it was November of 2012. November of 2012.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. And I'm I'm sure that was hard. Um, I feel. Correct me if I'm wrong or not, but I feel like that, like your mom's p- passing, was obviously one of those moments. I kind of I kind of view view um, like there's these big happenings, I guess, or moments in everybody's life that really either shapes them or something that they really had to go through. And I'm, I'm assuming I'm like, I can only imagine I've, I've never lost anybody that close to me. Um, I can only imagine like that had to be obviously extremely hard. Um, and probably one of those moments in your life that you look back on as like one of those big events, I guess, um, or happenings. Uh, tell me, I guess a little bit more about that. Exactly. For those of, of, um, the, the listeners that didn't know your mom, uh, tell us, I guess, kind of what happened and, yeah, leading up to that and then after th- that, how that made you feel and, like, how you even tried to process that. Like, I can't even imagine.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we were in... I was getting married to my wife, Teresa, who is from Colorado, and we had... I had gone out two weeks before and Dad and Mom came out a week before. So... I think they got out like Saturday night and then we had Sunday together, Monday, and then Tuesday, Tuesday morning. Our wedding was on Saturday, that Saturday, mm-hmm. Tuesday morning. Uh, she was... The p- people we were staying with, I don't know if anyone's familiar with New Horizons in Canyon City in, in Colorado, but that's the area where my in-laws are from. And the people we were staying with were outside of Canyon City a couple miles and... Mom and my two younger siblings, Christy and Christopher, were coming in. The rest of us were in. Well, my my two older siblings weren't living with us anymore, so they hadn't flown in yet for the wedding. But I had gone out for breakfast with Dad that morning. Mm -hmm. And so we were already in town. Mom and Christy and Christopher were coming into town. Dad had just dropped me off at my in-laws in and we were, we were going to work on wedding stuff and he was going to go meet the rest of them at Walmart. And we got this text. I remember just kind of getting in the, the house and getting a text from my sister saying, pray for us. We were rear, r- hit by a truck or like rear ended by a truck. Cause it, it sounded, it sounded kind of small.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, but the, something about it just like, Really shook me. Mm. Um, I've, I've often wondered, like, it's weird because what she actually said. Like, I don't know if it's happened to you out here, but it's not uncommon to <laughs> have vehicles hit you out right. here in LA. Yeah, exactly. And so it just kind of sounded like maybe something like that. But mm-hmm. I, maybe the the thing of pray for us, like, why why would mm-hmm. you have to pray? You mm-hmm. you were hit by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> Did the bumper fall off? Yeah. Like what? Um, right. But anyways, we I was texting with her a little bit, and I could tell. After a couple minutes, that she was not with it really. Mm. Like she was, she was kind of not delirious, but just really scattered mm-hmm. um, in in what she was saying. And so, I uh, got Teresa and we hopped in the car and ran over and got Dad. Actually, it must have it must have happened the opposite way. I dropped Dad off at Walmart because we went over to Walmart, picked up Dad, and then ran out to where the scene was and I don't remember how we knew where the scene was. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I forget some of those details like how we knew where it was but we went out to the the intersection where it happened and I just remember it coming up over the rise and it, you know, trying to figure out like what, you know, what's, what's going on? Like, Mm -hmm. Is this just kind of a bad rear end, bad fender bender sort of thing? But, Already at that point, like there were a couple ambulances out. There was the, the fire department
0: mm.
1: or some of it was out. Uh, there was just a lot. Of, well, I don't remember what all was out. There were just a lot of flashing lights, a whole crowd of people already, paramedics. And it was just like, whoa, this, this is way bigger than mm. just being hit by a truck. Right. We're pulling up to the intersection. There's this old, I think it was a Dodge pickup truck, like really old, just smashed. The whole front of it was smashed in. And I remember pulling up, thinking because like Canyon City and, and the outskirts are kind of it's not uncommon to see a junk vehicle kind of sitting around, right? And think like not thinking anything of it, but as we came to the intersection, realizing whoa, that's the truck that mm-hmm. hit them, and then about a hundred yards out in the field was the van. Oh, wow. um, and so mom had mom had been in a rush. They were a little bit late, and there was a intersection that was not a four-way stop and she pulled out in front of the the guy who was who did end up being intoxicated Mm. so he was going i think it was a 35 45 speed limit zone Um, if i remember correctly i think they figured he was probably going 65 or so 65 or 70. and some of some of those details are a little fuzzy for me sure but right right on mom's Mm door uh maybe a little bit on the on the passenger minivan door sorry the the one right behind the driver but yeah on the driver's side
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um it whatever happened like she hit the gas and it shot her out into the field mm. until it just came to a stop I guess wow. and uh, so yeah we we got there and Karita was there by that point, and kind of with Christy, Christy was kind of walking around. It's still like not really with it. Christopher was on a stretcher with a a neck brace. He actually looked the worst when we first got there. Kind of freaked, like what in the world happened? He had been sitting right behind mom, and had a had a bruise or something on his head, and so that's why they stabilized his neck and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I don't. I think he was pretty with it, though, mentally. Uh, Christy seemed the most uh, disoriented. And then Mom was out. They had her also on a stretcher, and she was not – her eyes were not open. Uh, she wasn't really doing anything. She was re- she was responding. So if they would tell her to squeeze, squeeze their fingers or whatever, she would respond by squeezing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But she was not opening her eyes. She wasn't – talking at all or or really moving her limbs that much just kind of moaning a little bit and i was immediately more preoccupied with christy and christopher dad went to be with mom and after a while they uh the helicopter came and they life flighted her out of the helicopter and um Remember, kind of saying goodbye. I don't think I went up and and s- physically touched her or anything, but uh, saw her. You know, the helicopter take off and, and go, and, and then we had sent Christy and Christopher off into. They they just went to the Canyon City Hospital. Mom was being life flighted to Colorado Springs, and which was. A 45-minute, good 45-minute drive from, from the scene. So we sent Corita and some some of my in-laws went with Christine Christopher into Canyon City, and Dad and me and Teresa and my father-in-law went up to, Camp, to Colorado City to find uh, the hospital that Mom was life-flighted to. And we drove 45 minutes... Only to discover it was the wrong hospital and so it was like another twenty minutes across town and so about an hour hour and a half later we finally got there. I remember thinking on the way up, like what's you know, what what's gonna happen? Is there am I gonna be pushing mom down in a wheelchair? Like what what does this mean? And we got to the hospital finally after about an hour, hour and a half of running around, and they as soon as they heard who we were there for they they ushered us into the quiet room, and I didn't really think anything of it i'm just I'm just thinking of you know, is mom okay like what's going on and and eventually the doctor came in with a chaplain and started started giving the news that uh, mom had actually died right after they, they left the ground. Um, So then, yes, within minutes, seconds, her heart had stopped. And so they spent the nine, nine minute flight trying to start it. And and obviously after they got to the hospital, doing whatever they could, (coughs) but she was gone. But at that point she had been dead for over an hour. And, uh, so, yeah, we we just, you know, started bawling there, and um, just, like, not, not at all what you expect of a week like that, and, or just, like, pray for us who we were hit by a truck. Um, went and looked at mom. She had all kinds of tubes coming out of her, and was pretty cold already by that point, and... So, yeah, it was just like, excuse me, the rest of the week is pretty big blur. I I remember we had just the night before we had gone over kind of the order of events with our coordinators and the pastor. Which is, you know, that was the grace of God that we were able to get that in because... I know there was still a lot of stuff to do, but Teresa and I didn't do anything with the wedding after that um yeah her her family obviously carried it the big chunk of the load and um and whoever else helped out coordinators or whatever uh we uh we had the funeral on well yeah, I remember i I forget if it was that night, Tuesday night or if it was the next day. I think it was that night that Teresa came up and and just said like I don't know what what this means for us but I I, I still want to go through with this I still want to get married even if it means that we're living with your family for a little bit um, or what you know and I wasn't like I had the th- the thought the thought of not getting married never crossed my mind <clears throat> and so obviously it felt good to you know be reassured that I've had a number of people ask me since that, like, wow, it's so so amazing. Like what what made you go through go through that? You know, follow through on, on getting married and stuff. And my answer is just like it it never really crossed our minds to not do it. And uh and I think too, it's you know we're so in love by the time you're engaged and you're at the wedding week, you're, you know, emotionally, you're practically married. Right, right. And so, just to, you know, just now we have the grief journey to walk together. Like to to kick the marriage can down the road would have just made it all the more worse. I think sure. and, and drug out, um, even though, even though it really impacted our marriage. And I didn't think about it until a year after. My brother had gotten married six weeks before me. And so a year after their marriage, their wedding, I remember they seeing pictures of, of you know, the first few weeks of marriage and their honeymoon and everything and just mm-hmm. like the fun stuff that they did and, and it was just like they had a great time, is is right. wonderful, like newlyweds have. And that's when it hit me. It was like we don't have that. Like mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't have any of that we don't have pictures like our the pictures of us around that time there's like we're super tired in our eyes and and just kind of look sad and um and and so then it it really kind of it was like a a new grief process all over again but i remember yeah we uh it was like so we had the wedding uh right let's see Days get mixed up I guess we had the Funeral Friday Friday morning And then we had The wedding rehearsal That night And then the fu- uh, the <laughs> Wedding On Saturday And I remember The 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 rehearsal Just feeling So the The funeral Was like We were all in tears again It's grief, Going through grief Oh the night before Thursday night Would have been The viewing And so there There were Hundreds of people That came through The viewing And and then again hundreds of people at the funeral. And by the time I got to the rehearsal, I just remember feeling so angry. Like I was just inside, just really angry. I didn't want to be there. I didn't not not that I didn't want to get married. I just I just wanted to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like the center. You know, Teresa and I are the center of this occasion yeah. and and yeah, just
0: who, who exactly were you angry at were you angry at like at god for allowing it to happen or more yeah like who exactly or, or were you just like angry at yourself and just wanted to get away
1: yeah no in the moment i i uh i there wasn't anybody that i was angry was at yeah it was just anger. it was just the the emotion i think it was, yeah. i think it was just kind of the natural flow of of grief maybe um. There's. Yeah, maybe. maybe um, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna come back to that in just a second. But the next day at the wedding was really fun. Like it was, it was the most joyful day of my year. Oh wow! Genuinely, it was. It was incredible. It was an incredible wedding experience. I think our wedding was the best wedding ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not just saying that. Uh, what's the word like um flippantly or whatever just like that's the thing to say but but i do like we haven't watched our wedding video recently but we did for a while like we'd go back and watch the wedding video over again we love the music the musicians did a great job the you know everything the people we had share at our wedding was just really good and um yeah it was a good joyful day and people often wonder like how can you how can you do that all at the same time and I don't, like, I, for one thing, like, the human psyche is, is just pretty amazing. Obviously, yeah. God has made us to feel all kinds of things. But it's kind of like eating an apple, maybe, like, you're you're eating an apple. And what do you think about when you eat the apple? Do you think about the the skin on the outside? Or do you think the inside, like, the white, fleshy part that, like, you, you don't really think about it. You're just, right. like, eating the whole apple. Right. And it was kind of that. That way, like, that, yeah, there's intense grief and then incredible joy all at the same time. And yet you're able to feel them both distinctly. Right? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think to the question of, like, ain't being angry at God, I have, like, I went, so one my wife really struggled in the months after that. I, I am a newlywed man. Wanting to sleep life away,
0: mm.
1: at that point in in my for my job, I was doing pretty much all warehouse stuff with Choice Books. Gotcha. Okay. And so you know, it's. <clears throat> um, I think at that point it opened at seven. It closed at like eight forty-five. Right. that Still it, kind of what it is. That's still what it is. Yeah. Oh, um, you know, as long as the work gets done in that time frame, I could work whenever. <laughs> yeah. And. Uh, and I, I just remember sleeping till 10, 1030 some days, Wow. just like super t- depressed. I didn't call it depressed really then. Mm. I didn't, you know, I didn't really know that language, but, um, but, you know, then I dragged myself out to go put in seven, eight hours, um, thankfully, you know, as a newly married couple, Teresa could come, you know, the work was such that Teresa could come with me and, and work with me if she wanted to. She didn't all the time, but, um, but then I'd come back home and, and then we just like, you know, you know, if I'm working at, at 11, you know, I'm probably coming home at 6.30 or 7 and then, uh, eating together and, uh, Very quickly heading to bed, not doing a whole lot. Like maybe hanging out with friends every now and then, or you know maybe watching watching a movie or something. But I just remember life was just extremely. I I wanted like I literally just wanted to sleep life away sure, and but we're newlyweds and Teresa's you know, newly really why it should feel different things. Like we should be excited and Mm -hmm. doing all kinds of things together. And so, so I think in the moment, I didn't know how to respond to, to her wrestling with that. I sort of responded by like not showing grief to her. And then after a while she, you know, she wondered why I didn't, cry with her and so yeah i was like going trying to figure out how you know this this whole process of doing life with with another person and like sharing being close to each other while also trying to give her you know realizing that like i'm i'm not very pleasant uh person or soul to like be around right now Mm -hmm. um and so years, years later, the year later when I was looking at my brothers and his wife and their first year, you know, looking at the, looking back on their photos a year later and just realizing the excitement and the thrill that they had and stuff. That's kind of when it hit me what Teresa was missing and what I was missing. Um, and so there was, there was some anger there that I remember dealing with again and just kind of grief And I'm not sure, like, I think for myself, anger at God has always been more digging deep and discovering that that's what I actually am. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Whereas I I wouldn't, like, I wasn't angry at God. Like, I I knew in my mind that, like, broken things happen. You know, this is, there's brokenness in the world and there's, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, if anything, my sib- some of my siblings were, like, asking some more, like, really gut-wrenching questions about God and, like, you know, where is he and all this. And I, I wasn't really asking that. I just wanted to sleep life away. That was kind mm-hmm. of my approach, I guess. Yeah, sure. But in – in actually, like, even years later, because I – we got married. Within a month, we were pregnant. And within three months, four months, we were asked to move to Thailand. Oh, wow. And a year later, well, a year and a half later from being asked, we did move. Hmm. No. Yeah, about a year later, a little over a year later. So, like, within two years, there's just, like, one thing right after another that is more emotionally involving almost. Like, you're, you're prepping for a baby. You're learning how to do life together as a married couple. You're thinking about whether or not you want to move. And then right. you do move. And yeah. you're relocating. And so it was, I remember I, I was teaching in Thailand. And so I remember it was the first break from school after the first year. I, we were committed pretty much three years. So we knew what we were doing for three years. Mm-hmm. And it was that first break where all of a sudden there wasn't something to, that, that I should be thinking about next or like processing right. next mm-hmm. that a whole bunch of emotions like came back to the surface for me. And I've discovered that's kind of the case. And it was actually in that summer that I got the idea to start writing my book. And I've noticed that I tend to do that. When I get, when I start feeling really uncomfortable emotions, I come up with really great ideas of things to do. (laughs) And so it's actually in the, you know, in the last 10 years, it's had to be an intentional work at times to just kind of dig in and uncover grief and then in that process like discovering there is actually some some anger at god mm-hmm. um, because life was so different than for somebody else or um, and just kind of naming it kind of acknowledging that right that but it's not like i was in I, i've never like struggled with is god real
0: right sure um, well yeah first off thanks for for sharing that that was very powerful just listening um just i i'm I'm sure you felt like during the the whole funeral and the wedding process I'm sure there was there was moments where you felt God's presence um just looking back and and seeing because I feel like I don't know about yourself, but I feel like if it, if it would be me like there's no way you could almost do it on your own strength of mm. of getting through the funeral and then of getting yeah. married like the the two polar opposites one is like a very very sad event and one is supposed to be a very very happy event yeah um. So like,
1: if, yeah, we had so many people praying for us over that time, and right, and yeah, right. most definitely the, the grace of God. Yeah,
0: yeah, no kidding. So like, if if somebody would come up to you, say a non believer would come up to you, and and you'd have told them just what you told me, um, and they'd ask you the question like, w- why did God allow that to happen? Like, what would you tell them? Hmm. You know. um
1: yeah, as as I think, uh, you might observe in some of my like, whenever I give a message or something like the, the thing that's really a passion of mine is the story of God
0: mm-hmm. and the,
1: and the whole narrative, and I think a lot of that comes back to my own processing, like where does this fit into God
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
1: into what He's doing. I I would not have told, been able to tell you the story of God, like what, what is the overarching message of the Bible or, you know, what is God doing in, in life? Yeah. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to tell you, you know, what that story is at the time, but I think it, it sent me on a perhaps somewhat subconscious journey and maybe even almost as much because of some of the questions my siblings, my younger siblings were wrestling with. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, you know, the, the paradigm of well I, I think a huge part of it was some some of my best friends had had gone through so this was 2012 like six years before that had lost their mom. Mm. Um, so so it wasn't a new a new journey. Uh, but still like that would have been true for my siblings as well. Um, we were good family friends with them and and they lost their mom. But I did learn a lot from from watching them grapple with, you know, where is God in this? And um, the story of Job, you know, realizing that there there is space within God's sovereignty to allow extremely tragic things to happen in life. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that he's just completely out of control. Um, but... This subconscious journey of what is the story of God, which is something that I just kind of started looking for, and eventually led to to me uh, going to Bible college at Eternity Bible College, where like their main thrust is biblical theology and, mm-hmm. and discovering the story of God, as opposed to like system, uh, systematic theology. Right. Um. But that's been the the number one thing to me in my Bible college experience is realizing the beautiful thing that first of all God intended and then you know then discovering like what happened, what's wrong in the world and and now what God is doing to restore it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and see how he is restoring it. And kind of coinciding, studying through the Bible, I, I'm taking church history classes as well and stuff, and, and as well as just kind of general history and seeing movements of history and, and how the church has been advancing or like what growing even and, and what God is doing in the world through the church, through his people, um, kind of all help solidify that, first of all, God is real. And God is active in this life and that his story is real. Mm-hmm. And if his story is real, then these calamities, these painful events in life are the result of of the... You know, it's. It, I don't really know why God allowed this. Like, I, I can rationalize. Like, he wants a personal relationship with us. And so we have to choose him in order to do that or whatever like that. But the Bible doesn't necessarily say that inherently, Mm -hmm. but the story begins that man is given this option of, am I going to trust that what God calls good is good or what God calls evil is evil? Or am I going to go my own way and decide for myself what is good and evil? And when they choose to go their own way, then we see all these calamities begin to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then the story of God as it continues, this cosmic not only does everybody struggle with this cosmic struggle of am I going to do le- trust God or am I going to do my own thing, but also as these calamities happen that are the results of other people, like I didn't, I, I have rebelled against God in my life, but I'm not the one who, like, nothing direct about my rebellion at the time I, I was a Christian I'm walking with God nothing about me led to a drunk man hitting my mom right, right. But that's that's his own choice that's there's calamities that's happening outside of my control because humanity is now choosing to do what's right in their own eyes mm-hmm. and now I have a, a response in that calamity am I going to trust that God is good and that his way is good Or am I going to try to make make my way through that on my own, doing what I deem is right Mm -hmm. and good? Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so yeah, I guess I I would just—I mean, that—that is what I tell people: is is just like there's of all the narratives in the world, there's nothing that explains why these bad things happen as clearly as the biblical narrative, and there's also no narrative that. That gives so much hope mm. for what God is is doing in the process, mm-hmm. or like just the weird thing that like oh a tragedy like that could actually make you into a better person like that that's kind of right, weird, isn't right. it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I wouldn't create a story like that, but that is what God does through through the mm-hmm. work of His Spirit. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question exactly. Yeah, no,
0: no, it definitely does. Um, yeah, uh, as you were as you were talking, I just kind of got the. The thought of, like, no one, none of us w- would say that your mom passing away was a good thing. Like that would just be mm-hmm. horrible to say that. That's that's so wrong. Um, that's obviously like a really horrible thing. But seeing that and knowing that God is good, and like you were j- like you just got done saying by by that happening it allows us to to draw closer to Him because He gives us a choice to draw closer to Him. Mm-hmm. And, and I've experienced that in my own life. Like the, some of the, the not-so-good things that happen, like nothing to that extent, but some of the not-so-good things that have happened in my life um, have allowed me to draw closer and become more intimate with Him in my relationship with Him. Um, and like some of the times when it feels like nothing else is there, like there's nobody else there, there's nothing else I can turn to but God has allowed me to, um, yeah, like really just cling on to him and just like mm-hmm. give all my focus and all my attention to my relationship with him. And like out of that can blossom, like you mentioned, like really good things and like a stronger relationship with him. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I really, I really mm-hmm. like the way that you put that. Um, and so, yeah, now, now you're here um, living with your your family. And I guess what's life like today? Like give me a little glimpse into your day-to-day life, um, with your family and, and what you do for a living or, or I guess since, since your mom's death, have, is there any, like, how have you seen God working in your life? I guess. Yeah. 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 Well,
1: there's, uh, with, life with life with the family definitely has impacted me. And, uh, I think almost grows me like God works on me more through my kids and, and raising raising kids than anything um you know it's it's been really interesting trying to help my children know what grandma whitmer was like because hmm. um, obviously they don't they don't know her they know her through pictures but uh there's there's no nothing we don't even really have much video like we we weren't we had a digital camera but we didn't take much video it was mo- mostly pictures so they're you know, trying to help them understand what mom was like and so yeah you know my my dad has since he's been uh, remarried about a year now so now um, they know his his new wife mm-hmm. better at, than obviously than than my mom and, and they're they will have a relationship with her mm-hmm. more vivid than Than they ever have with mom. But it's been interesting. Like, I think... There were different comments and stuff that they made that kind of triggered me a little bit. I didn't expect them to make. And and so it was kind of another process of grief for me. Sure. And it's been interesting observing them, like, watch me go through that grief. And then, like, recognizing... Um How, yeah, like even even uh, to see the, the way that my grief is impacting them and they they respect that. like they're of the age now where they can like recognize that and kind of, you know, understand a little bit, even though they don't know Grandma Whitmer, right. Uh, they, they understand that a little bit. And so that's been that's been an interesting element to observe and i think the way that god has worked most significantly in my life as a as a married man with children is just realizing what it's like to to love your kids you know to love your your wife and recognizing that that's like, I I do that very imperfectly and I'm still very selfish. And yet that's a glimpse or a picture of God's love for me and, and God's presence with me. Like to see my kid go through grief or suffering, um, just tears at my heart. Mm -hmm. And so it gives me a picture into what God has probably felt for, for me in the, in the grief process. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that's definitely been a big, a big, growing, shaping thing as it concerns discovering more about God. But it, interestingly, a lot of. I have dealt with a lot of um, what's the word for it, uh, un, like under the surface anger, mm. since. It seems like there's a better psychological word for it, <laughs> but I can't think of it. Um, since having kids, for some reason, it didn't really come out until my kids started getting to the age where they could disobey.
0: Mm.
1: And then, like, I don't, I don't, uh, it, it, it led me on this journey of like processing what's wrong with me because I'm not, I love my kids, right. I'm not angry right. at my kids, mm-hmm. but the, the fact that I would tell them to do something and they just ignore that has brought up anger just like in a moment that has made me realize it's actually like, so obviously that started, you know, whenever Kenneth was two, he's eight. So like six years ago, six or seven years ago that, that started surfacing. And so it, it kind of led into a journey of that's actually part of what led me to realize there's a lot of stuff that I probably haven't processed even from whether from, Mom's death, Hmm. or there's even been some things in life, and that Teresa and I have gone through that that are similar. Not not like a death experience, but it impacts you emotionally, and you don't realize always that it has impacted you until it snaps out in some anger. Yeah, Um, yeah. So I think that's the thing. Yeah, like God is using using my kids to show me a lot of Himself, and then also like. Confront things, work on me, mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. in in my own life.
0: Yeah, wow, wow, very well said. Yeah, so, well, um, as we as we wrap it up here, I I pre warned you beforehand that I was gonna ask you this question because <laughs> I I think if I'm not mistaken, I've asked like everybody I've had on this podcast this question, and I love like all the different answers I've gotten. Um, a lot of really good sound advice has has come through um, this this answer to this question, and the question is this. Um, like, if you could, first off, if you could tell your your younger self something, and then kind of along with that, if you could tell the Anabaptist slash General Youth of of the world something today, like, what what advice would you give them, or, or what would you tell them?
1: Yeah, so I guess if if I if I would tell my younger self something, maybe. Maybe I'll do like, <laughs> this is like not necessarily a spiritual answer or whatever, but it's it's something that I would, I think about a lot. And that is how, and this, is, this might be, I don't know if you've gotten this answer before, because it seems like maybe what everybody would give at a graduation convocation mm-hmm. or something, but what you like, what you're doing right now is sowing something that will bear fruit later. Mm, mm -hmm. I did. I, I heard that many, many times as a youth, but I didn't realize how real that is. Mm. Like what you do right now. So that's anything, whether, whether it's how you're handling your finances right now, Mm -hmm. whether that's the types of friendships you're creating, whether that's how much time you're spending in God's word or, or developing spiritual disciplines, Mm. or whether that's, uh, you know, if you think of a, a craft that you have or, or an interest that you have, um, but it takes some work. And so it's easy to, you know, just go hang out with your friends or spend time watching movies or something as opposed to putting in the work. You enjoy that craft. you It's kind of passionate, but it's, it also takes some work. And so it's easy to just kind of let it slide. Well, when you put in the work if if you want to ever have the dream realized, or if you ever want the skill set that you you would like to have one day, you got to put in the work mm-hmm. now. Right. Like right. what you sow now, mm-hmm. you will reap later. Mm-hmm. And just that concept, I, I I don't think I'm sure people have heard that many different times, but for myself as a younger self, just to say, even what you eat mm. now is going to affect your energy level and like your 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 the way your joints and everything feels even as so if you're 14 15 now like you'll you'll think i'm totally making up stories but it's real like it'll affect how you feel as a 25 year old right the kinds of stuff you put into your body and it's stuff that i'm trying to learn now like just realizing wow like i can feel totally different i'm 31 that's not actually that old but it's old enough to feel like i can go one day and like lately, my um, well, the other, uh, just on Sunday, we celebrated my birthday and mm. Jess made the delicious chocolate cake. <laughs> oh, I love chocolate cake, <laughs> gotta have chocolate cake with milk, right? But man, if you have a slice of that every day, like it affects how I feel, yeah, by the end of the week. And so, just that concept, like what you're doing now is going to reap something later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would tell my younger self. And then as far as just general youth, Anabaptist youth, or youth in general, um, I would just, I think I would say get to know the story of God. Mm. And there's a lot of things, like something that was not, did not exist when I was a youth that would have helped me see the story of God, helps anybody see it now, but I would have, I would have been able to see it so much more than just reading my Bible uh you know the the black and white words of my bible is the the bible study tool bible bible project is what it's called but the the charts and the the short videos that they create help you get a glimpse of how each book fits into the overarching story and then and then you read through the book and you can see those movements that they talk about in their Mm -hmm. in their videos and stuff Mm so so get to know the story of god one of the ways that can help you get to know that is through the Bible project. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very good answer. Well, on that note, I think we'll, we'll wrap this one up. Um, Asher, thank you so much for coming yeah. on here and sharing wisdom and knowledge with all of us younger people. Um, yeah, I feel like we, we definitely have a lot to learn from not old people, but older people like you, um, who have experienced a lot in life and have learned a lot in life and yeah so thank you just for for gifting us with your time and and just sharing with us um and, and for all you listeners out there uh thank you for for listening and go as mentioned before go go uh check out asher's podcast unfeigned christianity you can find it i'm sure spotify apple podcast basically yeah, wherever anywhere, podcasts are podcast. yeah yeah so go check it out very very good very good podcast uh you definitely won't be disappointed um and yeah thanks thanks for taking the time to listen and join us next time whatever that is or whatever it may look like